All right, welcome to another episode of Scissors and Scrubs. I'm Nicole. I'm Laura. And we are just coming off our motorcycle and boating accidents. Mm -hmm. I want to give a little update. I'm not going to even attempt that man's name again. No. Um, But the man who hit the motorcycles in New Hampshire, the 10 people on the motorcycles, they did confirm that he was high on drugs. Yeah. Big surprise. And he was reaching for his drink when he crossed over and went into those poor 10 people. Mm-hmm. So I hope they fry his ass. Well, that's New Hampshire. So, yeah. Live yeah. for you die. Um, I guess my point in telling those stories is not that I think motorcycle drivers are bad. No. I think it's the other people on the road that you need to worry about. Right. And um, because he's a butthead... Um, those poor people suffered. Mm-hmm. Had they been in cars, it probably still would have been devastating. But anyway, so this week we are going to cover Hurricane Katrina and Aww. the hospitals involved in the aftermath. Mm-hmm. This has been a labor of love. <laughs> you really wanted to do this. Well, so my girlfriend gave me this book. She's like, you've got to read this book called Five Days at Memorial by Sherry, Sherry Fink. Fink. I wonder if she's related to the other thing oh we yeah know. Mm. um so five days at memorial is an excellent book and it gets into the five days at memorial hospital after katrina hit yeah so now i remember being home watching katrina seeing the flooding and everything and thinking wow that really sucks and i remember thinking oh god i wouldn't want to walk through all that that disgusting water, water. yeah and then you know all oh, the levees broke but you know we're thousands of miles away so i'm not understanding the impact of these I don't think you can no. grasp that concept I don't I don't think you can grasp no. what that means like I mean yeah I got it it's flooded everything's flooded but to I had no idea this right. stuff was going on so when I was reading that book mm-hmm. and you read the extent of the government failures mm-hmm. the hospital failures mm-hmm. the lack of communication the lack of resources the lack of help and Working in the healthcare field and realizing being stuck yep. at one hospital for five days with no AC, no water, no, no power, no power, no toilets. I mean, I could not believe what these, what the staff at these hospitals had to deal with right. and dealt with. Right. Because you can't even get me to stay at our hospital during a snowstorm. I'm driving home. I'm walking over Matt the Tobin. I'm driving I'm, home. Bye bye. Yep. See ya. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, these nights I've left and seen all the cots in the hallways for the staff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get a lot of sleep on a cot next to 50 people snoring. Yeah, no. Not going to happen. So it's a really great read. Yes. We were going to try to, like, cover the book. But there's so much information, so many stories, mm-hmm. so many details. It was next to impossible. So what we're going to do instead is we're going to cover what New Orleans was like, mm-hmm. how it's built, why it's a recipe for disaster down mm-hmm. there. And then briefly touch on the hospitals and what they were going through at the time. Yeah. And how they were stuck there and what it was like and how they eventually evacuated and right. dealt with it. And, and some it of the aftermath of it. Um, and we'll briefly touch on the Superdome because I love my rabbit holes. I as know. we all know, I love to get in my rabbit holes. And want, I mean, there was so much information on Katrina. I was going to say, I knew it flooded there. I knew the levees broke. And I knew people were in the Superdome. Yes. And that's pretty much all I yep. knew about it. And so. you knew it was bad in the Superdome. but Yeah, I knew it was bad. I was like, I you, wouldn't want to be in the Superdome. When you look at the interviews of people going through the Superdome, even a week after, mm. unbelievable. Unbe- and the only thing we can't bring to you is the smell. 
the you smell have to of any of these places. Cells? Exactly. Just so, that water. Yeah. Just let's go out oh. in your backyard in a hot July day and stick your head in your garbage can. Yeah. That's about as close as we're going to be able to get to give you the smell. Mm. So that being said, mm-hmm. I guess we're going to get into Hurricane Katrina. Oh, yeah. Which, when this gets released, um, it's going to be close to the day that Hurricane Katrina hit, which is why we're releasing it now. Right. So, in order to understand the everything that happened, you got to understand how New Orleans is situated. Mm -hmm. Which everybody is, oh yeah, New Orleans, but New Orleans is like a soup bowl with the city of New Orleans at the bottom of the soup bowl, Mm -hmm. and uh, Lake. Oh my God, New Orleans is brutal because everything's French. Yeah. And their words don't make any sense. Just a <laughs> <laughs> so a lot. Lake, I'm going to call it Lake Pontchartrain. It's to the north. Okay. Uh, lake Borgny. Ernst Borgnine. Borgny. Okay. That's what it's going to be. Lake Borgny is to the east. Bournier. We'll call it Bournier. That, that sounds, sounds prettier, better. doesn't it? Bournier. Um, you have wetlands and the bayous to the east and the west, and the Mississippi River is dumping into the Gulf of Mexico in the mm-hmm. south. And New Orleans sits smack dab in the middle. Right in the middle. So it's kind of like a peninsula. The heart of the city actually bends around the Mississippi, and then you have all the other stuff around it. So they're all kept out of New Orleans by massive levees and um, canal systems, mm-hmm. which I'm going to get into. So the most the Mississippi for thousands of years had its flooding and receding and flooding and receding, mm-hmm. and it's responsible for most of the landforms in New Orleans. So early New Orleans was built where, so when it would flood, it dumps silt and dirt, and then it recedes, and it dumps more silt and dirt, and it kind of dumps it in the same place Mm -hmm. all the time. So New Orleans, early New Orleans, is built on these landforms that were built from the silt. Um, And then you have the bayous and the swamps, which the bayous and the swamps, I was reading something, they're crucial to New Orleans and Louisiana because they soak up for every so uh, many feet of bayou and swamp, it soaks up like so many feet of flood water. Uh, so the more you get rid of these bayous and swamps because you're building, the more, more flood water is going to okay. come in. Um, so it exists. New Orleans is at the bottom of one of the country's largest draining systems, making it very susceptible to flooding. So mm-hmm. you've got flood water. Like in the spring, you have all the waters coming down from North Dakota and South Dakota funneling into the Mississippi, coming in from Kansas, coming from all... They all funnel into the Mississippi, Mm -hmm. and they come down and dump in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Um, The majority of the city, it sits below sea level. It's like three feet below sea level. And every year, a part of the city is sinking at about a quarter of an inch a year. Oh, my God. So eventually, New Orleans is just going to disappear underwater. And the more they build in New Orleans and the more they try to fix it, the worse they're making it. Uh, In the early years, like I said, the settlers built on the natural high ground the Mississippi had made over centuries of flooding. Like, centuries. I mean, the Indians, excuse me, the Native Americans were really smart because that's where they built all their stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It created natural levees. It created natural bayous. And bayous are like marshes up here. So Mm -hmm. we have the saltwater marshes that everything overflows Mm -hmm. into. The bayous are doing the same thing. So as the city started to grow, they needed to expand, and they wanted to go out into the swamps and the floodplains. So that means that the man-made levees and drainage systems are put in place. Okay. So they, now they're coming off what the Mississippi keeps dumping every year, and they're going to start making their own. 
So in the 1830s, George T. Dunbar, it's mm. such a fancy name. Mm-hmm. I bet he had a big front porch. Oh, I bet he had a big plantation. Yeah. yeah. 14 layers of coats mm-hmm. on. Um, he proposes a system of underground drainage and canal systems. And he, they're going to be beneath the streets. So this is when New Orleans sees its first storm engine pumps. So they start building pumps to, sh- like, because you're in a soup bowl. Right. So you can shove the water out. Okay. So you, it takes energy to shovel it out. So due to the financial strain, they wanted to actually, I digress, they wanted to make a ton of these pumps. But, but due to the financial strain of these pumps, the rest of the drainage plan kind of gets on the wayside. So they made the pumps and that was it. That was, they made one pump, a couple of little drains. See you later. Okay. 1859, I'm never going to pronounce his last name correctly, Louis H. We're going to call him Pillier because it's got a little dash over the E. He adds four more steam drainage machines to push water through the canals and into the lakes. So they're trying to make this huge underground system to push it back into the lakes and all that, to drain it into the Gulf of Mexico. So in 1871, 36 miles of canals are added, but the city's still flooding out. Mm-hmm. Now, you have to remember, too, at this time, when the city floods out and you have stagnant water, it brings Ugh. in mosquitoes. Uh-huh. And the mosquitoes bring in scarlet fever, mm, yellow fever. Lots of disease. So when I went to New Orleans um, a couple of years ago and we were doing tours of the plantations, oh, my God, they were gorgeous. Yeah. They, somebody in that house always died of, like, scarlet fever, yellow fever, mm-hmm. you had malaria. You had all these crazy mosquito-borne because you're living in the swamp. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. You would want to live in the swamp? And the air feels like a swamp. Yes. Yeah. It's, I have never felt heat like New Orleans in June. I don't know what possessed me to go in June. But we went to Louisiana in July. It was like gross. Late July, early August. It was, I just remember, it, everything was wet. Yes. Like the air was You could wet. have showered 15 times a day. It yeah, was disgusting. Was, yeah. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, so in 1893, the Drainage Advisory Board was made. Mm. And, the, and it was funded by the citizens, and they also came up with the Sewage and Water Board. These are all important because eventually they come into play in Katrina. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Sewage and Water Boards, they're responsible to drain the city, provide clean drinking water, and sewage issues, which are always going to be an issue when, when you have flooding. a low sea level. <laughs> sea level. Uh, so then you have Abe Baldwin Wood, who's a young engineer, and he invented a number of improvements in the pumps and plumbing, and these improvements were so great, they used them all over the world. So now what was happening is formerly unusable land is becoming buildable and people start moving into the flood zones. Problem number one. Uh So in 1927, they start a project to build up the levees and develop all the land up to Lake Pontchartrain. Like right to the lake. Right up to the lake, which is where you get St. Bernard's Parish, which was one of the heavily flooded parishes. Um, So when you read Five Days at Memorial, they give you a much more in-depth history. Yes. And they talk about all the failures of them repairing the drainage systems in mm-hmm. New Orleans. So in 1927, there was a huge, huge, huge flood that happened to the whole lower half. Like Louisiana got a flood. All these states, Arkansas, Texas, they all got these heavy flooding. And at that time, they were like, oh, we're going to do something about this. We're going to fix it. And everyone's like, yes, we're going to fix this. Two million dollars. No. We're going to spend it on something else. Yeah. So they never fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been warned by the engineers and everything, these pumps aren't going to last forever. You've got to fix them. You've got to take care of them. But they never seem to have the money. They never seem to have the funds. Um, you have the Army Corps of Engineer is actually, they make 
the canals and the levees. Now, these canals, so of course I'm watching. I'm in my rabbit holes. I'm watching. And when I think of a canal, I think of a little little drainage ditch. These canals are like huge, massive rivers. Like the Panama Canal. (laughs) Yes. They're like dug rivers that are flooding out. Right, they're not little tubes of water. Right. Yeah. And the Army Corps engineers responsible for these. And you have like Orleans Parish on one side and you have Bernard Parish on the other. And each is responsible for their side of the levy financially. Oh, okay. So Bernard Parish may want to go ahead and redo this levy, but Orleans doesn't want to. So Bernard is only going to dredge their half of the levy, which compromises the other side of the levy. Right. And the Army Corps engineer would be like, inspect the levies. A couple of guys in a truck, just like every other DPW, they're like, yeah, they look great. Let's go grab lunch. And they weren't checking anything. Mm-hmm. And this is right up until Katrina hit. So all these levees are compromised. It was a matter of time before they it broke. was going to be a raging disaster. So by 2005, the city has 140 drainage pump systems to help get uh, flooding out of the city. Okay. And it was only a matter of time before a hurricane that's going to test these pumps is going to mm-hmm. pop in. So here we are. Let me just make sure I have this right, because I'm all over the place with my hurricanes. So on August 26th, Katrina is heading up for the Gulf Coast. And on August 28th, the National Weather Service issues a vividly worded, I loved that, this is vividly worded. You can almost see it. I can see it. Mm -hmm. Um, Bulletin predicting devastation damage and that the areas along the Gulf Coast are going to be uninhabitable. Unhabitable. Unhabitable. Whatever that. You, you can't live in them for weeks. <laughs> All right. You're not going to be living in for weeks. Move out. <laughs> um, so Louisiana's evacuation is supposed to take place in three phases. So phase one is the intermediate coast right on the water. That starts 50 hours before the start. A tropical storm winds which we never see hurricanes up here. So I really couldn't tell you a stiff wind from a Gale 5. I remember, like, I think it was Hurricane Bob. I was, like, younger. I think it was in the hospital for that. I remember, like, my mother losing her mind. I'm pretty sure when it hit, like, New England, it was, like, a Category 1. Like, it was, like, nothing. <laughs> it was and I, just I remember, again. like, we have to get down the basement. We had to stay down the basement. This is going to tear the house down. Like, we have a colonial in New and England. And we have like, nor'easters that are yeah, way better I'm than I'm pretty that. sure it's not, but I was, you know, so we had to sit, literally sit down the basement the whole time. The eye of the storm is here now. It's calm, but it's not really calm. Like, I remember... Her losing her mind, and like, but everybody was yeah. like, because we don't get hurricanes, so it was like I a was huge mass ear for that one. Oh, and I had a raging tonsil infection, mm-hmm. but I had a beautiful view from my room. Nice. So I had a view of the Charles, and I'm watching the wind, and I'm like, wow, this is a hurricane. You shit me. This is not. This is what everybody talks about. I had a nor'easter worse than this. Yeah. I don't think there were even yeah. like leaves down, but yeah. it, was, <laughs> it was nothing. I yeah. think maybe I saw a sailboat tip over. I don't yeah. know. Um, so. They phase one 50 hours before you got the coast is evacuating. Phase two, the people in the designated areas 40 hours before the tropical winds. Phase three, areas including New Orleans, um, are 30 hours before the start of the winds. On the 27th of August, President Bush declares a state of emergencies for regions of Louisiana, Alabama, and Mississippi. On August 28th, New Orleans Mayor Ray Nagin, mm-hmm. Nagin, Nagin, well, I'm going to call him Nagin, I like, I like it. He ordered the first ever mandatory evacuation of New Orleans. 
What he did not include in this mandatory evacuation of New Orleans is all of the hospitals. Yep. So many of the private nursing homes and the caregiver facilities, they rely on bus companies and ambulances to evacuate their hospitals. In the bus companies, so a lot of the hospitals waited, I mean, the nursing homes waited too long Mm. to get the bus companies in, or the bus companies flat out were like, fuck you, we got shit to do. We don't have time for you. Another problem was um, Governor Blanco didn't sign a waiver to allow any licensed driver to drive the school buses. So when you see the aftermath, you see hundreds of school buses flooded out because nobody could drive them, so Mm -hmm. they didn't have enough bus drivers to take them out. So in a state of emergency, they can let, like, non-CDL yes. people drive them? Yes. Um, so those buses that could have been used to evacuate people sat in because there just wasn't enough drivers. Mm-hmm. So at a news conference on August 28th at 10 a.m., New Orleans Mayor Ray Nagin. Mm-hmm. Is that what I'm calling him? I I'm calling so. him Nagin. Like Reagan. Um, he calls Katrina a storm that most of us have long feared and puts out a mandatory evacuation. Again, did not include the hospitals. Mm-hmm. There were several refuges... Refugees, refuges, refugees. Like, what if you refuge, 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 refuge? Several refuges. I, I no, haven't pluralized. I don't know what you're trying to say. <laughs> you know what? Like, where are you going to go in the middle of the storm? A refuge. Yes, refuge. But I have a plural. <laughs> it's plural, so refuge. I can't. Refuge refuges. <laughs> refugees. <laughs> Several places. We're going to call refuge. the. You know what? I'm calling it the fugies. <laughs> Say, I'm just asking you, like, who the fu- Fuji's? We're calling it the Fuji's. Because it was on the radio. I was yeah. like, what? Yeah, I'm calling it the Fuji's. So there were several Fuji's. <laughs> just some safe A spots. last resort. Yeah. Yes. Uh, for those who could not evacuate. And the Superdome was one of the Fuji's of last resort. I'm like, Jesus, what's wrong with me? People must wonder if I have a speech impediment. I swear to we God. Both <laughs> we I both do. Because I never do. can get, like, you. Were, they're not hard words. I just can't get them out. No. Okay. So um, the Superdome could hold 26,000 people and provide them with food and water for like three days. Uh, It was estimated that 80% of the 1.3 million people that evacuated, evacuated, and that there was not a ton of people left in New Orleans when the storm hit. Um, In fact, hospital, okay, so we say that he did not include the hospitals for... Um, mandatory evacuation, and they also became Fuji's for the storm. Okay. <laughs> so, not only are they Fuji's for the storm, <laughs> what's going on is, like, hey, I have to work, so I'm taking my husband and my kids mm-hmm. and my ke- my pets to the hospital because mm-hmm. it's a Fuji. Yeah. And, you know, people who were like, we can't empty this nursing home out, we're going to ship all those patients to Memorial, we're going to ship them over here. Yep. And they're taking them all in because they're like, it's, we've ridden out hurricane after hurricane. Mm-hmm. This is going to be fine. Um, hospitals tried to discharge who they could, but some patients, like those on dialysis, came to the hospital in advance of the storm. So they're like, oh, shit, i got to get my dialysis. I'll ride the storm out at the right. hospital. Um, they also had no disaster plans. Mm-hmm. So Jayco is supposed to make sure these hospitals have disaster plans, but... I have a feeling if you give Jake enough money, they're like, yep, you got one. Because there's another organization they have that follows Jaco around and makes sure you have what you're supposed to have because mm-hmm. Jaco isn't doing it. Mm-hmm. Heard that from the top. So some people, uh, some hospitals have contracts with ambulances to evacuate patients, but one hospital that needed to move 12 ventilated patients was told by the mayor that, was told that the mayor had taken control of all the ambulances, yes. so they weren't moving their patients. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then the traffic was so bad that a lot of the ambulance companies were like, by the time we get where we're going, you're going to be in the middle of the storm. So right. we're not going to bother. Because you're talking, it was like 30 hours mm -hmm. of traffic trying to get out of there. So some hospitals agreed, uh, were afraid to evacuate because they were afraid that if they put their patients in these hospitals and they died on the way to wherever yep. they were going, to, they were going to get ridiculed for it. Um, so they kept them where they were. So th like I said, the peak traffic was 30 miles behind at mm -hmm. the time of getting ready for the storm. And they also had no place to send these patients because all these hospitals outside of the storm zone or in a safe zone are full up with other people who are evacuating. Mm -hmm. um, so then we get into actual Hurricane Katrina. Okay. And we're almost getting to you, Laura, I swear. Okay. I told you, I like to, I like to get in there. Nice. So um, Hurricane Katrina hits New Orleans on August 29th, 2005, which is 14 years ago. It was the third major hurricane of the 2005 season, and it ranked fourth most intense of Atlantic hurricanes, period. No. Um, it started over the Bahamas as a tropical storm on August 23rd, my brother's birthday. It was the um, merger of a tropical wave and the remnants of a tropical depression. I don't know what any of this shit means. Either. You can ask Bruce Schwartz. Sounds Schwabler. like a perfect storm. Yeah, it sounds like mm. a perfect storm. We should do that perfect storm. That Ooh, was a good that story, too. Um, so together, they intensify into a tropical storm. It hits hurricane status just before landfall in Florida on August 24th. It slides across Florida mm -hmm. and then dumps back into the Gulf of Mexico on the 26th. And we know it hard. Because what does the Gulf have that it loves? Water. Ooh, hot water. Hot water. Getting hot. It's getting hot in here. It likes it. So in the Gulf, it rapidly intensifies with all its glorious warm water. It's mm -hmm. like soaking it up. It's taking a bath. It's mm -hmm. loving it. And it ramps up with all this wa hot water right to a Cat 5. It's Category 5 now. And they're like, holy shit, we're done. Mm -hmm. So, but it weakens to a 3 as it makes its second landfall on August 29th over the southeast Louisiana and Mississippi areas. Mm -hmm. When it makes the line fall, Katrina's front, uh, its front right quadrant, the part with the strongest winds, slams into Gulfport, Mississippi, which I remember seeing like the boat slammed up and it yeah. was a disaster. And it levels Gulfport, Mississippi. The winds reach up to 125 miles per hour sustained. Hurricane force winds reached up to about 120 miles per hour out from the uh, 120 miles out from the eye of the wow. storm. So it was a big hurricane. Yeah. Um, what else do I want to say about Hurricane Katrina? So this is where you're going to pick up because initially on the 29th of, um, I think it's the Tuesday after the hurricane, the people get up, they look, streets are dry. They're like, oh, this, this isn't so bad. We lost a couple of windows, nothing big. Then about 9 a.m., the industrial canal near St. Bernard, Orleans Parish, is breached, mm -hmm. meaning it snaps. Yeah. Snapped. means there's water. It's coming. And a few min minutes later, another at Industrial Canal in a pump failure near the Florida Avenue goes. 9 a.m., 17th Street Canal levee breaches. 66% to 75% of the city is underwater at this point at 9 a.m. By 5 p.m., breaches at the Bernard Parish and the Lower Ninth Ward start. By 8.30 p.m., all pumping stations in Jefferson and Orleans parishes are non-functional. They're fucked. All of them. Um, by the night of August 30th, 80% of the city is underwater. And when we say underwater, it was like, like 20 feet of water. 15 to 20 yeah. feet of water. It was crazy. Most of the pumping stations have submerged. Most of these hospitals' generators are below sea level. Mm -hmm. um, the 
So any of the pumps above water, they don't have electricity and they run out of emergency fuel. By August 31st, the water level in the city was as high as Lake Pontchartrain. So the so is all the lake. It was as even as the lake. Mm-hmm. And what they're finding is the levees couldn't keep the water out, but it sure as hell kept the water in. So once the water got it's in, like a wall. it's holding it all in. Mm-hmm. It's doing what it's supposed to do, wrong side. Mm-hmm. And it was funneling more water in because the way water works. Yeah. So that being said, mm-hmm. we're going to kick over to you in okay. the hospitals and what happened. All right. So, so during the storm, there were 11 hospitals containing 1,749 patients that were surrounded by floodwaters. Um, In these hospitals, there were another 7,600 people that were seeking safety from the storm. So family members, just people who lived in the area. 7,600 in these 11 hospitals. Nice. On top of the patients that they have. Um, You know, like family members, neighbors, this happened every time they had a hurricane, right. apparently. So it's no they big said, deal. oh, I'm going to work. It's going to be bad out. The house might flood. Come to the hospital. Because mm-hmm. the hospitals are all built to withstand hurricanes. So you think. Yeah. Well, they did withstand the, the hurricane. hurricane. Yeah. Um, so yeah. all these people seek refuge. That's the word you're looking for? Refuge. But no, what would you I call know. the place? It's a fugie. I'm telling you, with fugie. Um, there were another dozen hospitals that were not in the floodwaters in those areas, and they could be evacuated by standard methods. They weren't in the flood after the hurricane. They lost power because all the power right. down there was out, but they evacuated no problem. These 11 flooded hospitals were much more difficult. Um, there were two distinct events in the storm. The hurricane arrived on August 29, 2005, like you said, a Monday morning. Um, and like I had said, hospitals were made to withstand these storms, um, there are reports of windows breaking, rain mm-hmm. coming in through some broken windows. You know, they just moved the patients to the middle of the floor away from the windows. Um, buildings were felt swaying in the wind, but they're made to sway. Right. Like, but, they're used you know, to it. Yeah. Even buildings up here, they're made to sway a little so they don't fall. Um, just superficial damages from the storm. And everyone's like, okay, that wasn't so awful. Right. Um, the second event occurred Monday night when the levees failed. Um, and like we said, by Tuesday morning, these hospitals are surrounded by 15 to 20 feet of water. So they're like little islands. Yeah. With you no way in and no way no. out. Unless you're going, you're swimming through this water, which I would not do. Well, because you figure the water is full of sewage. gasoline, sewage. That's all I care about is sewage. Bodies. Yeah, just animals. Mm-hmm. Dead animals. No. Like all kinds of nasty shit. Mm-hmm. Toxic. Um, yeah, gross. You don't want to do it. Um, the hospitals lost power, communication, water, and sewage. Um, they couldn't get more supplies, like drugs, clean linen, food, nothing. Nothing was coming in. Nothing was working. There was no. nothing. Um, so some conditions in the hospitals. Um, the staff. Staff came in on Monday to work their shifts. They knew the hurricane was coming. Probably more came in than normal because... And some people volunteered. They figured like, oh, I'll go in. It won't be a big deal. Right. Blah, blah, and blah, blah. they stayed there because they live near there. Right. So they're like, oh, we'll go in. Right. We'll stay. We'll work. Whatever. Um, but after you're there for several days with no rest and no break, you're Miserable. short-staffed because mm-hmm. some people have to lay down. Some people are sleeping. There's way too many people there mm-hmm. with way too little people. Um, so these people are now stuck there. They worked around the clock. 
um, they slept in like little shifts. They took little cat naps like right with the patients. But we're also talking, it's 100 degrees in the hospital. Yeah, I haven't gotten there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Pardon. Pardon. <laughs> um, well, the power, that's what I'm, yeah. the power was lost. And then the generators failed because they either ran out of gas or they were old oh, and broken. Flooded. They weren't taken care of correctly. They flooded out because they were still in the basement, even though all of their hospital emergency plans said Put those need like to be moved. They up. need to be on this roof. They need mm-hmm. to, they need to not be in the basement, though they were never moved. Um, so there's no power. So vital equipment like the ventilators, lab equipment, dialysis machines, um, elevators, are broken. Nothing can work. Yeah. So you're no. not moving patients. Well, you are, but you're moving them with hands. You're not going you're up, you're upstairs. All these patients. Yeah. Your is not working. You're working on emergency lights. But even the emergency lights are gone. That's true. There's no That's generator. true. Yeah. So you have nothing. The they had flashlights. Yeah. That's it. Um, the air conditioning obviously did not run because in New Orleans, when it's a thousand it's degrees, it's eight August. million degrees. Temps were upwards of a hundred degrees in the hospital. Ugh. People broke windows out to get some kind of air movement, but again, we're in New Orleans. There's no air movement. There's no air movement, but it's just a little fresh. At least there was some kind of yes. fresh air coming into these hospitals. Because the toilets are broken, so the smell. Yes. The smell. And the sweltering. They said there was just water running down the walls because of oh. all the humidity and the heat in the hospital. Um, there was no running water, so you couldn't even wash your hands. Nope. You can't shower. Your face or you anything. can't flush a toilet. You can't no get fresh working water. toilets. Nothing. Um, and like so, these nurses are now they've been there for well over twenty four hours. They're working now. They're working in a hundred degree heat. Mm-hmm. Now they're working in hundred degree heat with no equipment. So you're bagging patients manually that used to be on ventilators. How when you bag somebody for a couple minutes, your hand is cramped, your sweat like yeah. it's a lot of work. It's exhausting. They're doing this literally around the clock to yeah. keep these people alive. Uh-huh. They're going, um, you know, they're lifting, they're just moving patients if they have to get downstairs. Like, oh, I, I think a boat's here. They have to put these patients on backboards, carry them, them down, down stairwells, the- get them outside. They're carrying all these people. So you're in a hundred degree heat. You're exhausted, carrying huge, and you're people. working like a dog. Because some of these patients are 400 pounds. Yes. Yeah. It's just the conditions these people were working in it's, is it's like mind-boggling. It's, it's like unbelievable. Um, so there were many accounts, like personal accounts people gave afterwards, of family members having to fan patients in scalding hot rooms for hours on end. Because, you know, when you're sick or you're compromised you can't regulate your body temperatures mm-hmm. also these people were burning up yep so these family members who came in to weather the storm were now trying to keep trying cool. to keep these people cool um workers there's accounts of workers using plastic bags for toilets because there's no toilets they're all overflowing they're going onto the floor people have to go to the bathroom they ran out of buckets they had to use plastic bag i mean it's just it's a nightmare it's a nightmare um there's accounts of Doctors making rounds and nurses um, and even pre- performing emergency surgeries by flashlight. Just because it's a storm and everything's out doesn't mean all this medical stuff stops. The people say, and they're still holding them accountable for charting and everything yeah. like it's a regular day. It, you still have to care for your patient. Like it was uh, yeah. the Sunday before and everything was fine. Like mm-hmm. you have to do emergency surgery sometimes when your patient gets sick. There's no anesthesia machines. There's no waterclave. There's no ventilators. Clean the in- instrument. No, hopefully like. they had a big supply. There's no 
lights. There's no bovi. There's no anything. You're performing oh. surgery like they performed it back in the 1800s. 1820s, yeah. Um, Which we're not used to. You know, it's a diff- completely well, different thing. Sometimes. I'm, sometimes we have conditions where I'm like, is this 1811? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's stories of the personnel brushing their teeth and using IVs, like using IV bags to just water a toothbrush just to get your mouth a little clean. Um, they must have been hooking themselves up to IVs just to keep hydrated. Yes. Um, just so they could keep the going. Are, that heat alone, I couldn't oh. work in. It's like being in a burn room. But I, I can't humid. even. Humid. All I can think about the whole time is I'm hot, I'm hot, I'm hot, I'm hot, I'm yeah. hot. I can't even move past. I'm hot. You're just soaking wet. Yeah. Like everything's plastic. And imagine yeah. the smell of your no. body. Nope. No. No. Not only does everything else smell because the toilets and the bodies and all. Right. You personally reek. Like, because you can't You can't wash anything off. Yeah. Um, there's stories of people sleeping on the roofs to escape the heat and the stench of the hospital. They would go upstairs yeah, and that's sit where on I would the be. roof. Um, stories of bodies piling up in the stairwells because the morgues were full. Now, think about it. If you're at a hospital, your morgue has bodies in it on any given day. Mm-hmm. And usually, like, pretty yeah, relatively pretty- full. Now, the funeral homes probably aren't picking bodies up oh, God, immediately no. before a hurricane. And they're certainly not picking up when there's 15 to 20 feet of water. So now your morgue is full. Right. But there's still people that die in a hospital. So now all those bodies have nowhere to go. So they're just putting Bring them in stairwells. Yeah. Bring out your dead. They're just leaving them in the stairwell because they had nowhere else to put them. Ugh. So now you have the smell of, of decaying the bodies. bodies. In the heat. Yes. Not Which even, just. Not even on ice. We're no. In the heat. Rapidly decaying yep. bodies. Um, and then you had all these stories these people just feeling hopeless because it seemed they were just forgotten about like they were just well, because it, they were forgotten about like they couldn't get out of their own way yeah. trying to evacuate these people no i mean i don't know if you covered it there's that story of like they asked people with boats come meet me at walmart on i-10 yeah 250 boats show up no one told them where nobody to told them where to go yeah so they all went home it was not it was lack of communication such a lack of communication it was unbelievable it was it was detrimental, though, because people died because of this lack of planning or right. organization, communication. Right. I could go on and on with all the shuns that didn't happen. Right. No, it was It was just the perfect amount of chaos. Yes. Just to, it was... Yep. Um, as hospitals flooded, staff had to move whole units up to higher floors. Like, so you had to eat your emergency department on the basement level of the first floor well now that's being flooded right so you need to move everything up that was in that unit the yeah, beds with no the meds the thing but they had to because they needed those supplies and they needed those beds they needed all this right. stuff so now again you're working after being sleep deprived you're it's a million Sweating degrees and you stink it's chaos you probably ner- it's i'm sure it's so scary and you're moving whole unit the exhaustion these people must no. have been going through no. is unbelievable um there's also some um, unsubstantiated stories of looters at the hospital. At Memorial Hospital one night, um, it said that a man in fatigues came up through the floors, like would run up the stairs and was waking people up, going, the boats are here, the boats are here, get everybody out. Get everybody to the dock, get everybody to the loading dock. So they're all thinking, oh, my God, great, we're getting out of here. They load their patients up. They get, like, you know, their charts mm-hmm. or whatever tags they had on them. You know, whatever meds they need to write that minute. They get everything ready. They bring these patients down to the loading dock. There's not one boat there. They bring the patients all the way back up Could you to imagine? the floors. No. 
No. And their stuff is stolen. Yeah. Again, you know no one seemed, was ever arrested, I don't think, for the that. The only no people one. who seemed to have their shit together were the pharmacies. They locked down, yeah. had a log. Nobody's getting meds out of there. Yeah. Um, but the, I, like, how scary that must have been. Like, you know there's people out there looting mm-hmm. and sc- you're trying to protect them. You, you don't yeah. have anything to protect. Terrifying. Um, so the conditions at the hospitals were... Horrific. A nightmare. Horrific. A nightmare. Like, you, I, I don't know how they worked through it. And they did. They worked through this day after day after day. It's days. It's not it was 12 five hours. days. Yeah. It was five days. Mm-hmm. And every day you think you're going to be rescued. Mm-hmm. And every day you're not. Mm-hmm. And every day people are showing up still at the hospital through this flood water looking for you to help them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like you I said, can't even, even if you're yourself. already there, these people are still sick. Yeah. Every day stuff is still going on yep. that you have to take care of in the midst of this nightmare. Chaos. So the evacuations. Um, so there's very obviously very limited options to evacuate these hospitals, either a boat or a helicopter. That was That's the only it. way you would get out. Um, and only a few of these 11 hospitals were accessible by helicopter. Where helicopters were not feasible, patients were um, boated to spots where they could then be further transported by ambulance or helicopter. So they would put them on these boats that would show up. They would bring them to like a safe, dry spot. Right. And then a helicopter or an ambulance could get them there and bring them further If away. they showed up. If they showed up. Um, it, was ex- it was an extremely slow process since most of the modes of transport could only carry two patients at a time. So you might have had a boat, but it's a small boat. You can only put two people laying down mm-hmm. with their equipment or whatever had to go with them. Or the helicopter would only take like one or two people. You can't have, you know, you can't have too much weight in a helicopter. So by the time they would get these patients, leave and come back, it's over an hour oh, easy. just to transport easy. two patients. I think it's hours. Yeah. But just like mm-hmm. the closest, it's like at least an hour round trip. Right. For two. Right. There's hundreds, thousands. So, um... The VA hospital and Tulane University hospitals both had successful evacuations because both of them had effective external help. They had people on the outside to get these people up. Like management. So the VA, um, so the the VA calls. Um, They send a distress call to to the Veterans Affairs Department in Washington, D.C. They went right to the top. They weren't they fucking They were around. like, these are the veterans. Boom, we're calling we'll get the these people out. So they call Washington, D.C. So somebody in Washington took it upon themselves to call the VA Law Enforcement Training Center in North Little Rock, Arkansas. The director there was a man named Ron Angel. Ironic. Um, who had recently... Little Ronnie, <laughs> you're my angel. Exactly. <laughs> I love my... I should have been a singer. I know. In the 60s. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Ron Angel had recently returned from Iraq. So he calls his pal at the Arkansas National Guard. Without any higher authorization, like they didn't go anywhere else, he called his friend. They send um, 16 National Guardsmen and seven military trucks I need to the a VA like hospital. That. I need a friend like yeah. that. Yeah. You really, that's like a hookup. <laughs> Laura, I love you. I'd call you. You wouldn't be able to send no, me sorry. that. I'm like, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> You'd be like, you're screwed. Yeah. Shit. I'll take care of your kids for you. Do you have like wipes or something? <laughs> um, so they, this guy immediately sends 16 National Guardsmen and seven, tel- seven military trucks. And they arrive 930 Tuesday evening at the VA hospital. 
They put patients on, on the mattresses, they put them in the truck beds, and they evacuated the patients to the airport starting Wednesday morning. Um, and the evacuations took until Friday because, again, mm-hmm. they can't take a lot of people. They can only get them there. But they had a plan. They knew they were they coming. executed it. And they went. Right. So, like, I don't think there was a lot of panic because they knew this is we are happening. getting them out. It takes a little while, but we're doing it. We're moving. Right. And, we're you, and, you know, if you see people showing up, right. you feel okay. To, you know, like, okay, they're going to come back. They're going to get a couple more. Yep. We can come up with a game plan. Right. It's when nobody shows up that mm-hmm. you're like, And they were there just for them. Right. Like, a lot of these... Other ambulances or helicopters or whatever were there just with no real game plan. Like, they weren't there to just evacuate VA or just right. evacuate Memorial. So they would take two patients, but then they'd be called somewhere else. These I guys... I enlist in the military tomorrow just to make sure I'm safe. I know. <laughs> These guys showed up. They were helping the VA, and that was that. So Tulane um, started... They had a successful evacuation also. They started planning their evacuation days prior to the storm which is what everybody should have been doing yes. knowing you live in a soup bowl right so it has a parent company I, I find that a lot of the issues were the parent companies well Tulane's parent company is HCA which is the number one hospital company in the nation okay apparently we're not part of HCA <laughs> no they are and they did their job yeah so they started planning Days before, they got pl- spots for all the patients in that hospital at other HCA hospitals. So before, sense. they didn't know if they would have to evacuate. But, but, you, but if just they in did, case. they knew Nicole was going to this hospital over here and this bed. Mm-hmm. They had all bed, like everybody had a spot where they were going to. Okay. Days before. Um, and they arranged for helicopters through Acadian Ambulance and other companies that through H- HCA to fly in and take the people mm-hmm. people out before the storm even started. If this happens, if we have to evacuate, you guys are coming. But that's what you need to do. You right. need a plan. Right. Um, Tulane was also lucky enough, though, to have a functional helipad because a lot of these places didn't, but Tulane well, did. Isn't Tulane like a major it's a traumatic, traumatic, yes. traumatic, trauma facility? Yes, and it's like, you know, the I'm going to call them traumatics because oh, it's okay. a facility and a trauma unit together. Traumatic. I like it. Yeah. It's, it's going with Fuji's. I'm sorry, guys. Um... <laughs> So they, you know, that also helped them out, that they could actually land a helicopter there and get patients out. Huge. Mm-hmm. And some patients from Charity Hospital, which is another hospital down there, were actually boated to Tulane to be flown out okay. from their helipad because they didn't have one. So they not only got all their patients out, they got patients from Charity out. Um, and even though the evacuation, even though they had all this luck and had this parent company that took care of every, you know, all their needs and did exactly what it should have done, it was still a very difficult Evacuation. Patients had to be carried down stairwells to the second floor of the garage, where they were placed on trucks to be driven to the roof of the garage, oh um, I'm where the helipad was. Two patients were connected to 500-pound hot pumps. Um, two patients were bariatric patients that weighed over 600 pounds. So these people, just staff members, had to carry 600-pound patients down. They had to carry the patients that were on the hot 500, you know, they have to still carry the hot machines. You can't roll those down the stairs. What are the hot machines from, like, 1492? I mean, did they take them right out of the surgery with the... I don't know. I don't, I don't know. they, like, made of sticks and stones? They just said... I it's awful found that shocking, but, machine. yeah. I mean, they're heavy, but that seems excessive. 500 pounds That's is a little bit much. Yep. Um, and Tulane did not lose any patients in the hurricane. Not one. However, two patients that were boated over from charity 
while they were waiting for I wouldn't claim them. a helipad. They don't. Die. That's I charities. I wouldn't put them on my list. Um, two of those patients died, but they were not Tulane patients. All of Tulane's patients got out alive. And I think they were already, like, people who would have passed away anyway, right? The charity patients, yes, they were ICU patients that were boated over to wait for the helipad, helicopters, and um, two of them died in the little makeshift ICU they had outside the helipad. Um, but they were people that were expected to yeah, die had this hurricane away. not come. Um, then there's Lindy Boggs in Memorial Hospitals. I just like the name Lindy Boggs. I know, it's such a weird name for Where are you going? I'm going to have my heart checked at Lindy Boggs. I know, what do you think? They must have called it. They must have a little nickname for it. I think it's related to Wade Boggs. No. Wasn't he a Red Sox player? He was. That's why I don't think it's related to him. He ate a lot So Lindy Boggs Memorial also had a parent company. It was Tenant, oh, which is Tenet. the second largest hospital um, company in the nation. Yes, but not it's the a s- large step down from one. But to definitely two. not the best. No, <laughs> big they step from one to two. Um, it did not help them like HCA, HCA did for Tulane. Um, and these two hospitals had the most deaths of any hospital or nursing home in Hurricane Katrina. Um, at Lindy Boggs, two boats operated by firefighters from Shreveport, Louisiana, on arrived on Wednesday morning. Doctors and nurses have prioritized the patients. They did what they're supposed to do. They gave them, like, letters, like, A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. A being ambulatory. B, need some assist. C, critically ill. And they had them all out there waiting, and they knew, you know, you evacuate the most critical patients first. That's how they had them ready to go. Mm-hmm. Well, the boats pull up and said, nope, this city's under martial law. It's women, children, and ambulatory patients first. Was that the same on the Titanic? I, yes. <laughs> Women, children, and ambulatory patients. Anybody first. who can move themselves, you get out. So they. Why would you do that though? Like, why the would system. you get the most sick out first? I they're, know they're the ones who are going to crump first, and they're the most dependent on everything. Yes. Where it, like me and you, we could sit in the hospital. Yeah, I wouldn't want I to, but I could sit there for five days. These people that are on vents and everything, they need to get back to some place. power, some yeah. electricity, some machines, and that's oh, so that's not good. They sent out the women, the children, the ambulatory patients, because that's what these people told them to do. Um, so they send out these people. They did take a bunch of them, but then the rescue team was called elsewhere at the end of the day. So it left 30 patients and, I think, 80 staff members wow. at the hospital. And staff members and families. And this is at Boggs. This is at Boggs. Okay. Um, on Thursday, hospital employees... I loved this. Found a boat that they could quote unquote borrow. So I think that means steal. They took somebody's boat. <laughs> they stole it. Yeah. Um, which you know, I borrow a lot of stuff. I would borrow a boat too. Um, they siphoned gas shoes. from the cars in the parking lot in the parking garage. That's smart though. Yeah. And they filled that boat and they evacuated the rest of the patients and the families. So it is borrowing because they were doing good with it. But I don't think they took off with it later. Like Water they just skiing used, down the street. Right. No. <laughs> no Orleans. And again, I would. I would absolutely do. Yeah. I need to get these people out. Look, there's a boat. Could you there. see the two of us? <laughs> get on! I'm starting her up. There's <laughs> a rope. Hold on. Let's go. Load them up. We're out. I'd have had that place fucking evacuated in Check an hour. We can fit two more. It's hard. Put them on your shoulders. We're going. <laughs> um, so they they had everybody out on Thursday, pretty much under their own direction. Yeah. No help from there. Parent company. I'm tenant who is MIA. Yes. 
So Memorial Hospital. That is oh, this is the hospital Memorial, that this book is what about. A disaster. Yeah. So the CEO of Memor- Memorial emailed the tenant Dallas offices for assistance on Tuesday after the phones went down at the hospital. Um, I think it was like a response, like, we know we're working on it. Mm-hmm. Like a no plan. Yeah. No plan back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. We yeah, gotcha. we heard something happened. Go we'll fan we'll, some patients. We'll right. be back with you. Um, so the work is there. Cleared the helipad that hadn't been used in like 10 or 20 years or something ridiculous. It was like 30. It was a long time. Yeah. There was like, st- like they had to clear all the debris off of it. They didn't uh-huh. even... was number one, I think, the last time that thing got used. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't. They didn't even know if it would support a helicopter right. landing on it. That's how it's ancient. old this is. Um, patients, when they were brought down all the stairs of the hospital, because the elevators don't work, after they were carried down that, they had to be passed through a hole in the wall of a second-floor maintenance room. There was this hole that would have been boarded up, like an emergency. It must have and been some sort of... And when you look at the... There's pictures of it in the book. Yeah. That they're trying to fit these patients through this little hole. It's literally a hole. Yeah. 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 It's on... They were like, oh, some guy was like, oh, I remember there's some, like, board over the wall over there. Let's it must have look. been, like, emergency access for the maintenance right. stuff, and that's where they passed these patients through. Um, so they passed them through the hole in the wall. Then they transported them by, by vehicle to the garage, because none of this is attached to the garage. Then they had to carry them up three flights of stairs at the garage to the helipad. Right. And the, again, in the book, there's pictures oh of my them God. carrying these the people helipad? up to the helipad. It's just a freestanding helipad. Yes. Like, like on top. Like so the they're helipad, like, there's this I huge guy on a gurney, and it's like a chain link fence, and they're going up these little... I would be so petrified of the heights. I, I know. You're dying. I'm sorry. I can't Yeah, I'm not even getting no, on the helicopter. No, I'm just staying here. I'm going to lay in the bed of the truck and the, call it a day. We'll put it... We'll have to post the picture, because... They're crazy. They're, I couldn't get over the stairs in the helipad yes, to this place. yes. Um, so they came up three flights of stairs to the helipad. Now these people are on ventilators, so they're being bagged. So they're, you know, mm-hmm. someone's pushing it, squeezing a bag to get the oxygen into them. There's babies in incubators that but they're the carrying ox- the whole incubator. They have to carry the, the whole stairs. incubator up there um, in a hundred degree heat. Yes. Um, so the first, first two helicopters come, both of these helicopters want to drop evacuees off at the <laughs> hospital. They go, here's some more. And they're like, no, we need to get oh, these people drowning. out. Oh, you're drowning. Let me put my foot on your face. Yeah. So they're like, no, no, you can't take them. You have, you know, we yeah. wanted you to take them. So they take off. Um, more came, more helicopters come, but some of them only wanted to take babies or pregnant women. Like, we're not taking your adult sick patients. We'll right. take the babies. We'll take them. The NICU patients all got, you know, got on planes and got away. Some of them, like, they couldn't bring the incubators on the helicopter. Well, there's that so- crazy story of that guy who they couldn't take the incubator. Yeah. And he's, it, there's a whole story in this book. And when you're reading the story, you're sweating. Yeah. Because he's, he's got a like day old baby mm-hmm. who's really sick, a neonate and he's bagging the baby. And if you bag it too much, you're going to blow the lungs. Yeah. And if you do this and then the helicopter gets them somewhere, but he has to gas up and he has to wait 45 yes. minutes for them to gas. And he's still bagging this baby. And he's, he can't even see the baby because there's no mm-hmm. lights. Mm-hmm. It's like, and the whole time you're like, oh my God, I hope this baby makes yeah. it. Like, you're sweating reading yeah. his story. It's just crazy. It's insane. It's crazy. And yes, the baby's okay. Yes, the baby left. The ba- all the um, NICU, ba- all the neonatal intensive okay. care babies were okay and got to hospitals. Um, so some helicopters landed that were, okay, we'll take your adult patients, but it took so long for them to get the patients up 
to the helipad because they had to take him down the stairs of the hospital. Through the hole. Through the, wall. the hole in the wall. <laughs> in a truck to the garage, up the three flights of stairs to the hel- The helicopters were like running low on fuel while they were they waiting. Wait, so they're like, they? we have to leave. We can't wait anymore. So they would take off and then the patient would be up there. And then they would have to bring the patient all the way back down because they can't leave them up there. Right. And then somebody else would land and they'd have to go through it all over yeah. again. So it, was, so it was a nightmare. So they have run out of gas waiting for these people. Um, there were stories of there was um, like a nurse or somebody up on the helipad waiting for helicopters. And they said the way she was waving, like to say, come here, land here, the pilots thought she was waving them off. So they wouldn't even land because they thought she was standing there saying, don't land, don't land. But really what she wanted to be saying. That would be me. I I would be sending them hysterical. They'd be like, get away from that crazy lady. Yeah. Get over here now. Yeah. They they thought she was saying, don't land here, don't land here. So they didn't. Oh, man. Um, Shabbats. Yeah. Thursday morning. Thursday morning. Thursday Mm -hmm. morning. Um, Six helicopters that were actually chartered by tenant, which, you know, they called on Tuesday. So now it's Thursday. Yeah. Arrived. And, and they were on what, day four? Four. Um, six of these six helicopters finally came, and they evacuated the rest of the living patients. Um, some people were able to go in boats. They were taken to safer locations, and they would move from there. But at some point, the boat stopped coming, and the patients that had been brought down sat brought downstairs all those stairs to be put on the boats that didn't need the helicopters had to be all brought back up like the amount i mean there's pictures of them sitting at the ambulance bay waiting Waiting. to get rescued and you can see the water up till almost going into the like it's right at the right but at some point you can't sit out there all night like they have to go back inside so now they have to bring all these the i cannot explain the i can't even fathom the amount work and the exhaustion that Mm -hmm. these people we're going through. Um, there were also stories of helicopters landing, and there was somebody up there coordinating, saying, no, no, all the patients are already gone from here that needed helicopters, which was not true because they had a nursing home on one I of their floors. I would have stabbed him in the face. Mm-hmm. They believe it was called Life Care. It was, they rented yes. out one of the floors. All their patients were still there, which who were vented. A lot of them were vented patients. Yes. And I believe also they told them, like, you're going out last, you're last because your patients are all sick anyway. Right. You're last. And then there was somebody supposedly up on the helipad telling them, no, everybody was evacuated because all of Memorial's patients were, but life care patients were still in that building and they didn't take them out. Um, so after, you know, the floodwaters recede and everybody's gone and they go back into these hospitals, I think it was like mid-September, they go back into these hospitals. 215 total bodies were found in nursing homes and hospitals. Oh, my God. That's a lot of patients. Yeah. Um, there were eight patients were found at charity, um, but most of those patients were expected to die. And like, I believe had, they dumped them in the chapel. Does that sound right? One of them did put them in the chapel. I think that, I think that memorial, memorial might have put them in the chapel. Just dumping them in the chapel, so they found, like, a bunch of patients mm-hmm. in the chapel. So a charity, eight people died, but they had said those people were expected to die. Whether there had been a storm or not, they were... Going to pass. They were definitely going to pass before. Um, 19 ba- bodies were found at Lindy Boggs, t- one of Tenet's hospitals. I just love the name. I know. I can't get over the name. And 40... Going to Lindy Boggs. <laughs> like you can't even take it Where's your knee going to be done? Lindy, Lindy Boggs. Um, and 45 bodies were found at Memorial Hospital. 45. 45. 45. Five of those. That's a lot of bodies. Yeah. 
five of those were said to have died before the storm started. So 40 from the storm. <laughs> Excuse me. No. Yeah. Uh, the correction. 40. Um, they obviously investigated the deaths of these people. They did autopsies. Um, 41 of the bodies had um, toxicology investigations done. 23 of those bodies tested positive for both morphine and Versed, which Versed is a... Um, relaxant. Yeah, relax. Like, it helps you go to sleep for a yes. little bit. And then they... Morphine. And these patients weren't prescribed. So in a layman's term, they got the hot shot. Yeah, they put them to sleep. Yeah. Um, Euthanasia. Yeah, so in the Euthanasia. following weeks, a man named... Um, a doctor named Brian King, who worked at Memorial... Re- reported and then pretty much came out I think he came out like in the news and everything saying they euthanized patients at Memorial Hospital he like blew the whistle mm-hmm. on these people um, he said there was talk of it like they're not going to survive anyways let's get them you know make them comfortable there were people though I mean obviously there was people who were DNIs they're burning up they're uncomfortable they can't give them the care they needed when I read this book I was all over the place mm-hmm. with how I felt about what happened. Mm-hmm. Because when you read the book, it really gets into the doctors involved and why they were doing what they were doing yeah. and the patients. And you get very personal stories of some of these patients. Some of these patients were, were suffering, and yeah. I can understand why they did it. There's a couple of patients where, like, right. one was really overweight. Yes, there was one and that was morbidly obese, but he had fed himself breakfast yes, that morning. He said, yes. and he was a paraplegic, and so he was very petrified that difficult he was to leave. He said, don't make sure I don't get left behind. Yes, are we ready to go? I'm ready to go. I, I, you know, I'm ready. Like, yep. let's go. And he was one of the bodies. And all that of a sudden, found. he has this hot shot given to yeah. him. So I, I feel like he probably was murdered. <laughs> the other ones may have been a mercy. Like, I'm not completely against euthanasia in some circumstances. Mm-hmm. You have to read the book to really yes. hear the stories, hear the doctors, why they did it. Like, I, I don't think any doctor did it maliciously. I no. will say that. I no, think they I honestly think they were doing what was best for these patients because they were, some of these people were honestly suffering. And I the think they and the misery. thought, like with that man, they couldn't get him through that hole. That's right. If you waited, I mean, I don't know that he would have. He could have gone on a boat, though. Right. That's what I mean. Like, I don't, I, I don't know if it's just. I mean, you have to also think. I'm not making an excuse because it's not right. But again, you're exhausted. You've it's been there easy for five to Monday, days. Monday, Monday morning, eight thousand degrees. Yeah. You cannot be thinking. Yeah. I wasn't there. Straight, right? I wasn't in there. It's real easy to be that Monday morning quarterback yeah. when I've slept and I'm clean right. to say, "Why didn't you do this?" Yes. I mean, I've had situations where I was dealing with something at the mm-hmm. hospital, and it was a shit show. Mm-hmm. And the next day, I have people being like, hey, well, why, why didn't you, you do like this? this? And yeah. I'm like, because you weren't here when this was going right. on. I didn't have that uh, resource, and I didn't have that resource. Yes. So I had to make the best decision right. at that I time. I mean, these people were in hell. Yes. They really were in hell. Yeah. And for us to sit back after you read and be like, well, I would have done this, and I would have done that, is really easy to say. Right. So, anyway, so this Dr. King comes right out, says there was talks of it, and then they definitely... It was followed through. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he and believed... he was dead set against it. Yes. So when he believed that a doctor... Like, so he had heard them saying this stuff and, you know, was like, I'm not doing that. And then when he believed that this doctor was going to Do administer it. medication to end this person's life, he got on a boat and left the hospital. He's like, I'm out. And he said he would rather be known as a deserter than be known right. as a murderer. 
Though I can't say I have a ton of respect for him either. No, I know. Stay. Because he left them in a shit right. storm. I know. So anyway, so at uh, doc, uh, Dr. I'm, I'm going to say Poo. It's probably not. It's P-O-U. I would call it Poo. 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 Okay. Poo. Dr. Poo. P-A. P-O-U. Let's call it Poo. Okay. Dr. Poe and two nurses were eventually charged with second degree murder. Mm-hmm. Um, but a grand jury refused to indict them. And the charges were eventually dropped. But the records are sealed from those because um, the, the DA was like, well, at some point it could be brought up again. So they don't want, they're keeping everything hush-hush right. as to what happened. Um, those hospitals still aren't open. They're no, like, it's a mess. It's, you can't go in them. They're ruined, completely right. ruined. Terrible. As was a lot of right. um, the fugees of, <laughs> of Hurricane Katrina. A yeah. lot of them you couldn't fix because mm-hmm. they were so dilapidated. Yeah. I mean, did you, um, they have the nursing home down there, St. Rita's, because they were brought up on charges as well. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't get that. Saint, I didn't put that in. St. Rita's, they had evacuated. They, they, I think they were one floor nursing home. Mm-hmm. And they, was, they were the only nursing home that didn't evacuate. And I don't have a reason why they didn't evacuate. No. So they brought their patients up to mm-hmm. the second floor. And the next morning, I mean, people had gotten up after the hurricane. They're like, everything's great. Right, everything looked You great. know, we lost a couple of windows. This is great. So they brought all the patients back down. Then the levees broke, flooded out the nursing home, and they didn't have time to get the patients back upstairs. Mm-hmm. And 35 of them drowned. Yeah. And they were brought up on charges because they were like, and they were found not guilty. I mean, they didn't leave them there to On drown purpose, intentionally. Yes. Did the right, like they said, okay, we'll bring them up. You know, and then it just was so Nobody fast. Nobody thought no these levees were going to break. Yeah. You know, and the aftermath has been a nightmare. Yeah. And I just was, so I do these interviews. I, I'm a Rotarian and I do interviews for the Rotary. And these one girl was, this one girl was like, oh, I went down in New Orleans. They're still cleaning up. Yeah. 14 years later, rebuilding like St. Bernard Parish was the worst hit. Mm-hmm. They're still rebuilding those people. Mm-hmm. So are you done with your part? I think so. Okay, so I'm going to get into the Superdome briefly. Okay. Because when you cover Katrina, you have to cover the Superdome. It's literally what the only thing I knew about it. fucking nightmare. Yeah. What a fucking nightmare. And I just, I had some free time, so I'm going through all these videos. And they had... They had a, a guy named Shelton Alexander. He was in the Superdome, and he's like um, a musician. He's a rapper, so he wrote some raps about it, but he was talking about what it was like to be in there. Mm-hmm. And they also had an article from Doug Thornton, who was the general manager of the Superdome. But these videos, like I said, the only thing you can't really get from these videos is how bad it smelled. Oh, my God. How bad it smelled. So Derek Thornton, who is the general manager of the Superdome, he gets a call from the mayor asking to use the Superdome as a fugee. So um, that's going to be a coin term I'm trademarking. Okay. Right Got here, it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So he's like, yeah, okay, but, you know, you gotta, you got to give me some time to get it ready. And I just sent all my staff home, so you have to give me some National Guardsmen. Like, done. You're going to get your National Guardsmen. So he's given a bunch of them, and he's given a few hours to prepare. So by 7 p.m. on Sunday, the 28th, they're... They've got everybody inside. But to get inside the Superdome mm-hmm. took an act of God because you had to be scanned head to toe so no weapons could get right. inside the Superdome. And these people are coming with their life belongings. So you're going through bags after bags of stuff. So um, each person that passed, is he- they're examined head to toe. And by 6 a.m. on August 27th, the Superdome... All right, sorry. So 
by that 7 p.m. that night, everybody's in the Superdome. They're ready to roll up. And, you know, they're on the field, they're in the stands, they're on the concourses, they open the concourses up mm-hmm. so that people could get around. Um, by 6 a.m. on the 29th, the Superdome is running on backup energy. Like, the power went out immediately yeah. in New Orleans, which is never good. Um, which means now there's no AC inside the Superdome. Ugh. There's no windows in the Superdome mm-hmm. either, so it's not like you can get fresh air. Right. You're in this heat box. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what else you'd call it. Um, and there's no fridges. So oh. these people, they had food to feed these people for three days. Mm-hmm. It's, I think its capacity was you could hold 15,000 people for three days and feed them. But now there's no refrigerator, so all the food's spoiling right. inside the Superdome. As the storm is going on, you know, this Shelton is talking about how you can hear it. And then all of a sudden you see some water starting to drip from the roof. Ugh. Then you see more water starting to drip from the roof, and then you realize part of the roof is gone, so now it's pouring on the field, the water. So the water's pouring in, and now the outlets, because of all the water and the electricity, nothing's working. Mm -hmm. And within the first day, the toilets shut down. Because the power's down, they also evacuated patients to the Superdome. Mm -hmm. Those patients now can't, the ventilators aren't working. Everything's getting bagged. Right. And I don't think people understand what it means to be bagged by hand for 24 hours. Like, it's it's exhausting. Yeah. So, um, this guy, Doug, he goes in his little boat. He's going to go see what's going on in New Orleans. And he realized he was going over to the convention center to see if they could evacuate everybody over to the convention Mm -hmm. center. Um, When he comes back, the National Guard's headquarters had flooded as well. So now they have set up shop inside the Superdome. Oh, God. And he's like, you can't do that. And then he gets there, and two huge morgue trucks are parked outside the Superdome, right where everybody's sitting. He's like, you can't put the morgue trucks here. Everybody's going to see the bodies. Like, yeah. this is just completely inappropriate. So he's able to get them to move the morgue trucks. Oh, that's good. But the National Guard still shut up shop. So when he gets up on Tuesday, this is all before the flood. Right. So he gets up on Tuesday to the cities underwater. And people, like, you know, they're, they're not realizing what it meant when the city was under 15 feet mm-hmm. of water. That's a lot of goddamn yes. water. You're talking, like, two stories higher water. Yeah. So he realizes that his generator is under <laughs> underwater. Like, mm-hmm. it's under sea level. So they fly to the generator, realize the generator's already gone through most of its fuel. And he's got sandbags, and, and they're using pumps and everything to keep the generator from failing because they're on the backup generator. Mm-hmm. Um, inside, toilets are broken, sinks are broken. So you, there's feces on the walls, there's feces on the chairs. People are literally urinating in the seats. It's disgusting. I can't. It's disgusting. Food is spoiling. You can't get away from the smell. People are escaping to the con, uh, to the garages just to get away from this. So then. The one poor guy, he's like, okay, well, the storm is almost over. He realizes, they tell him, it's going to be days like this. Mm-hmm. He's like, what? We, d- we only have food for three days. What do you mean it's going to be days? So the Superdome's prepared for 15,000 for three days. They are at 30,000 people oh, for six days. So double the capacity, but double, double the, the amount days. of time. So he's afraid there's going to be a riot. There's already rapes breaking out. There's assaults breaking out. People in the Superdome had separated by race. So you have whites and blacks and Hispanics, and they're forming gangs. It's getting mm-hmm. really ugly in the mm-hmm. Superdome. 
Um, the National Guardsmen, it's gotten so ugly, the National Guardsmen have boarded themselves in with barbed wire. Oh, my God. Away from the people. Like, that's a great job. <gasps> You're just bombarded in, like, wherever you are and let them find it out. Find like, it out. wow, I'm glad we're paying you for something. So on 1.30 a.m. on September 1st, they evacuate the staff of mm. the Superdome, but they don't want to tell anybody because if they hear that the staff's getting evacuated, you can have a goddamn right. riot. So they're told buses are coming, buses are coming. So he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting. Mm -hmm. At 11 a.m. on September 1st, the buses start to arrive to evacuate, and it took two days to get people out of the, the Superdome. And what people aren't realizing with these evacuations that was also happening is they would evacuate in these boats, the hospitals and stuff, they'd evacuate them to mm -hmm. the highway and nobody would pick them up. Right. And they would die on the highway. Or they'd evacuate them to the airport mm -hmm. and nothing was, they would sit there another three days in the airport, right. sick as shit. Right. So people were dying at the airports. Mm -hmm. So even though the hospital may have only lost 45 while they were there, right. they might have lost another 15 waiting, waiting. at the airport mm -hmm. for help. Mm -hmm. The breakdown of communication and help from the White House to the local government was astounding. Yeah. Was astounding mm -hmm. on how bad it was mm -hmm. in there. And again, I couldn't appreciate it till I read this no. book. Then I, I had no idea. I mean, I knew the Superdome was a hot mess because they mm -hmm. kept showing that. No idea about the hospitals or any. Like I, I never. I swear to God, I never heard any of that. No. And I, I, I can't imagine being stuck at our hospital for five days. No. I'd be homicidal. No. I, yeah, I'd the, be killing them just to kill them. If they looked at me the wrong way, I'd be like, what, you want to roll? You're you want to roll? You're going down. <laughs> it yeah. would be a nightmare. It's, it's a nightmare. So they, so some of the things that they learned, like they figured out, I was reading. Um, so a lot of the issues were, uh, all the hospitals said this, like te telephone communication was spotty. All their plans, they had plans. They had emergency preparedness plans. Not that they didn't have them, but none of them were for... This you have no communication outside of your hospital. You cannot communicate with anybody outside your hospital. That was never in any of these mm -hmm. plans. Um, no single person or agency could be called for help. Hospital personnel said that they had to beg agency by agency by agency for help. Ain't nobody got time for that. Like they would Who's call, you know, the mayor's office. They would call yeah. the governor's office. They would call... And they call people office. in Texas. These people aren't even in New Orleans. So they have no idea what's going on. Right. They're like us. Oh, it looks bad. But, yeah. you know, what? but they had to, like, they couldn't call one person and then they dispersed between the, amongst the agencies. Like, you need to go help them. They had to literally call and just beg for help from everybody. Um, the evacuation plans were not useful because of the flooding, which were not in the evacuation plans. Um, and no one had experience arranging for boats and staging areas. So that was all, like, by Unbelievable. the seat of their pants. Um, and you know the city's going to flood. It floods all the time. How could right, you I don't know how flooding wouldn't be in that, but... How could you not have this in right, plan? I don't know. Um, hospital personnel did not know the landing coordinates to, coordinates to tell the helicopter pilot. So when they did get somebody, because they were, like, people who were just offering their services but didn't necessarily go to these hospitals right. or know these hospitals or like memorial they couldn't it wasn't on the map anymore because they hadn't used it in so long it wasn't in the helicopter i don't know coordinate plans or whatever <laughs> but they couldn't tell the people at the hospitals like i have no idea. i wouldn't know what our right. helicopter coordinate you know what I, like so i have no idea what our helicopter right. coordinates so are. A, like these are things they learned like i have we to use know this. all the time yeah um the complications of moving the patients without the elevators 
spinal fluids needed to move the patients were in like storage areas. Like some of, some of the hospitals had them in Baton Rouge. Like they had to be brought <laughs> up for all the bull. I mean, they had a few, but not enough for, to put yeah, every to single the whole patient. Hospital. Um, trucks hot, trucks aren't high enough to deliver anything to the hospital. So even if they had the stuff, they couldn't. Get you know, they would them. get so far, and then they'd be like, oh, I can't drive it to you because right. we can't get the rest of the way. And, you know, they don't, they were being shot at. Like, there were reports of people being shot at. Right. And you don't know if they're shooting because they're in their homes and they're afraid. Right. Or if they're just shooting to shoot, but they were afraid to move because right. they were getting shot at while they were trying to evacuate. And that's, and there were reports, which again, unsubstantiated, but that like some of the helicopters turned away because they would hear gunfire. Right. Whether that was... It was a war zone. It was chaotic. And and being up in New England and watching it, you just were like, yeah, well, that sucks. Yeah, that's yeah, bad. Yeah, that Superdome's probably it pretty gross. horrific. Yeah. Like, unbelievably bad. Yeah. Um, they said personnel had to make arrangements with the state police to allow trucks that had goods on them through. And then when some of these trucks got, like, close, police or National Guard would be like, oh, we need that somewhere else. So, like, say your hospital ordered, okay, I need all these IV fluids and all these blankets and all these. Somebody else. They'd be like, oh, you have a truck full of that? You're going here. Right. So they would never even make it to the hospital. Um, and personnel had to figure out what kind of buses could be used to move patients, how they got drivers for the buses. Like, none of this stuff was had ever been thought through. And it's so avoidable. Had you yes. thought it through, these people could be alive today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like pretty like so they were saying like for the future, they have to decide are they going to let people stay at these hospitals that are not staff and hospital members. They said, on one hand, the family members and the neighbors or whatever were helpful because they had them do it. They had them bag and patients. They yeah. taught them okay, this is how you do it. This is how often you have to do it. You have to squeeze it this way. Mm-hmm. They had them bag and patients because there were so many people and you couldn't you couldn't physically do it for that long. So they right. had these people untrained. It's people. exhausting ventilating patients they had you know they were fanning them they were helping them you know they were helping move them they were doing all the stuff that helped and but they also had seven thousand extra people right to evacuate but if so, somebody codes like what are you going to do cpr for three days no like, i mean they're like, done yeah you know like these people are dying yeah they ran a call for a little bit but so they weren't sure if you know that's one of the things they have to figure out are we going to allow people to take refuge in our hospitals fugees 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 um or not like there's a lot of things they need to figure out well i guess i would like to think that today 14 years later they have some kind of a i would like to think that they put a bigger plan into place and the other thing was they said the hospitals like had their own plans disaster plans but none of them had it so that all the hospitals were down. Like, they never made a plan for if no hospital was functioning. Because, like, just like in Boston, if if our hospital needs something, we can call across town and say, listen, we are, we need I this. I can't fathom of all of us. If every single hospital in Boston was, like, who do you call? And that's what their problem was. Like, all of their plans. Because God knows all of the country sends their shit to us. So who would they call? <laughs> who do you call? So... Do you know, like, so all of their disaster plans were, if our hospital does this, if our hospital, it was n- none of them had, ev- nothing had ever been coordinated. If, if this city is down, what do we do? Right. If all those hospitals are down, where do we send these patients? Because they're thinking, well, we'll send them to 
Charity, we'll send them to yeah. Lindy Boggs, we'll send them to Tulane, we'll send them to VA. You know, like they're thinking there's 10 other hospitals. I would never send anybody to Lindy No, Boggs. probably not. I know nothing about it. I no. just don't like the name. No. Um, Lindy. I'd pick Tulane probably. But, do you know, like they, I, that was their plan. <laughs> yeah, that was their plan was, you know, there's other backups. Yeah. But no one had ever planned. It there's was just, no backup. It was a shit show mm-hmm. all the way around. It's. It's a great read. Uh, I mean, the end gets a little dry because it gets into the legal aspect of what they did to these doctors, what they put them through. and But you, you do understand, like, they talk about the nurses. The, when they go through the five days of what it was like mm-hmm. in that hospital, mm-hmm. it is unbelievable. It's, it's a great read. Yes. I strongly suggest mm-hmm. if you um, want to see what hell is like, read Five Days at Memorial yeah. by Sherry Fink. It's... It's intense, and it really gives you an appreciation for what those people went through. Yeah. And, yes, they may have done stuff we probably wouldn't have done, but I still think those people who went through five days at Memorial were heroes. They are. I mean... Oh, that's what they I said. Could, like, I don't know if I could work like that. No, that's the other thing. They Like, a bunch of these things said, like, you know, you hear about these bad things that happened, and they said these people in all these hospitals worked for five days in horrendous conditions that you cannot imagine in did more and you could heroic never things than you could ever through. think of. You yeah. know. And not only did they go through all of this, they lost everything. Mm-hmm. These same people who were in the hospital lost their homes. Right. They talk about how the insurance companies wouldn't pay out. Mm-hmm. So, And we're talking every insurance company in the nation would not pay out to Louisiana and what they went through. And so not only are you in the hospital for five days, mm-hmm. stranded, You've lost your entire house. Mm-hmm. You've lost your property. You have nothing to even go home to. Yeah. So I do think they were. I mean, I don't know what I would have done in that situation. I don't know if I'd be the one to think they're in a lot of pain. You need to put them down. Right. Because I am that mercy person where I don't believe in suffering right. for no reason. Right. So it's um, it's a great read. It is a good book. And it just gives you a new appreciate, appreciation of what the people in Hurricane Katrina were going through because it was crazy. Yeah, I had no idea. So that being said, are we finished with all our info for the I listeners? Think, I think so. There's right. a lot. I mean, there's just so much. There's so It's so much. It's so complicated. It's hard to sift through. There's so much we wanted to say. Yeah. You, you have to kind of read it for yourself. I'm hoping we gave you a little bit of what it was like. Just a little insight. Because it's just shock. It's just shocking. It's shocking. It shocked me. I was like, oh, my God, Laura, you've got to read this. Yes. This is crazy. It was good. Um going into september we're starting off the school year so this is the end of the summer hits yes this is we're covered we're done with the summer mm-hmm. um we're gonna cover vaccines because that's not well, a touchy subject at all no not <laughs> polarizing at all. not at no. all um but we're gonna just cover vaccines in a way that is factually based yes. it is nothing but facts so you take away from it what you want whether mm-hmm. you should vaccinate your child or not is your business but <laughs> when you hear how many people die from not doing it you make your decision. Yeah. I mean, it's up to you. It's up to you. Um, so I think that's a wrap, right? I think so. All right. right. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Yep. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.